Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. We're going to share the word today. And, and I was preparing all week, obviously, about faith and just um, continuing the series on faith. And, um, but actually, yesterday, I started feeling I probably should share this other word that I have on my heart that I did share to the own elders and, um, and other potential elders in training. And it's a word that I heard from Tyrant last month in June, just before he went on his holiday. He shared to all the team guys around um, the nations of the world through a Zoom. And he just said, you know, in this season, what should we be fighting for? You know, um, you know Tyrant is apostolic. You know, the gift that's on his life is apostolic. And I really believe that God has put apostles and prophets as the foundation of the church. It says that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. And so, we, you know, I want to speak on... The six things we should be fighting for in this season. A lot of people are fighting for a lot of things and a lot of causes. And there's a lot of um, people, you know, think I should fight for this and we should fight for that. And people saying, you know, the, the, the church shouldn't put their head, uh, the, the pastors or the leaders shouldn't put their heads in the sand. We should be fighting for this and standing up for that. And, and there's so many opinions out there what we should be fighting for. But according to the Word of God, according to the Bible, according to the Father's heart, what should the church be fighting for? And does it change from season to season? Because, you know, a few years ago, we were fighting for other um, reasons. You know what I mean? We're fighting for other things that were happening. And people think we should be fighting for this. And uh, freedom of speech or same-sex marriage and, and all these different things that can become political. Should the, You know, we, we want to stay true to the Word. So what are the six things that the Word of God tells us we should, as the church of Jesus Christ, should be fighting for? The first thing I believe uh, that the Bible speaks of that we should be fighting for is fighting for unity. Now, these things that we're going to speak on, the six things we should be fighting for, isn't just for the church in your local church. It's also for the church across Sydney. It's also for the church across the uh, nation of Australia and the nations of the world. So God only sees one church. And, and, and also these truths is wisdom from God. Therefore, it can help you in your business, the way you run your business. If you run a company or a business, the way you run your family, it can help you to run your family this way. So you can take these truths. It's multifaceted. It's multi-layered. Uh, don't just say, oh, I, I think I understand that. Yeah, I got that, Leo. But actually, you, you should be surprised how deep the Word of God can go. So when we're talking about fighting for unity, I want to remind us what Psalms 133 says. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head of, of Aaron, right? Coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's head, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It's a picture of a horn of oil pouring on the priest Aaron and it hits his head and it goes down his beard. It's saturated. The oil speaks of the anointing. So wherever there's unity, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes. The presence of God is there. The presence of God is not going to come without the unity of the Spirit. And, and so it talks about it is like the Jew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there, where, where, where there's unity... There, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. It's like that's where there's favor. 
in the book of Acts chapter 2, they were all in one accord. They were in prayer and one accord. That's the word for unity. They were in one spirit. They were in one accord. And the Holy Ghost was poured out. The presence of God came because they had unity. Now, we've got to understand what is unity according to the word of God. Because a lot of us think unity, we, we, we can't have unity until we all agree. And we don't have to all agree on things for us to have unity. There's certain things that the Bible tells us we should have unity on. And that's, that's what I believe we should be fighting for. And so you find that in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Paul writes, the apostle, the great apostle says, there is one body. I mean, there and there, you can just stop there and go, okay, there's only one body. There's not, there's not the, the church down the road, a denomination in this city and another denomination, another movement of churches doing their own thing. And if we're doing our own things, I think God sees only one body. We might have our names and our tags and, our, and we might even have selfish, ambitious leaders that want to you know, make a name for ourselves. All that stuff can actually divide us. But when you see there's only one body, there's only one spirit, right? There's just, it says, uh, let me read it. Verse 3. Let's pick it up in verse 3, actually. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How are we diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, in the bond of bringing us one? The word peace means to be made one. There is one body. There is one Spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There's only one hope. People down the road or another church down the road or another movement, they only have the same hope that you have. They have one Spirit, one Lord, right? It says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is all, who is, who is over all, and through all, and in you all. It's like he's trying to drive this point. There's one Spirit, one Lord, one faith. As long as people believe that Jesus was the sinless Son of God, who was born for a virgin, sinless, never ever sinned, but then he died on the cross for our sins, in our place, to take our judgment. And then, yes, he was buried, but he was resurrected from the dead. So he gave us right standing with God. And there's only salvation through Jesus. When you put your faith in Christ and get born again and you make him Lord of your life, you have become a part of that one body, a part of that, uh, the faith, the faith. So there's a lot of different so-called denominations and religions that they believe in Jesus is the sinless son of God. If they do and they believe there's only one way of salvation, that's through faith in Christ alone, then they are part of the body of Christ. They are my brother, my sister. They belong to the same father that you belong to. They belong to the same Lord that you belong to. One Lord, one hope, one faith, one baptism. That is what unites us. We've got to have a common ground. We've got to say, okay, what is, what is the unity of the Spirit? This is it. Even when it talks about Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, and it tells us the gifts um, that Jesus gave to the church with the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, and the teachers. And those gifts were to do a certain thing. And it says, they are to, for the equipping, verse uh, 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, so that the saints can do the work of the ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ, so that to build up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So, so what are these five different gifts? They're very different to each other. These five different gifts are to bring us into the unity of the faith. Not the unity of methodology, not even the unity of doctrine. This is where we get it wrong. We think until we all do everything the same, until we all agree, until we all have the same doctrine. No, it's not the unity of doctrine even. It's not the unity of methodology. It's not the unity of style. 
of how we do church. It's not the unity of personality. Each church has its own personality. It's not even the unity of a culture. Each nation has its own culture. I've I traveled to India for many, many years and I go to India and they've got a completely different culture to the Western culture church. Very different. But I can go in and teach the one truth. I can teach Jesus. I can teach one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism. I can teach the truths of the word and they can implement it and they'll filter it through their culture. But you know what? They still build it on the word. They still worship King Jesus. They might worship differently, the method, but they still worship Jesus. You go to Africa, different culture altogether. Sometimes the West has come into a country like Africa or India and we, we think we have to teach them how to dress. And in America, we, we wear suits in church. So therefore they teach them how to wear suits and even taught them um, to, to eat with cutlery. And that, that's not the gospel. That's not the word of God. Teach the word and let them filter that through the truth of, of the word of God. And so when you understand the unity of the faith isn't, I have to agree on every methodology. I have to agree on every doctrine. And because and, um, when, when you think you have to agree on them, that brings unity, then the very thing that div divides you will be what you disagree on. We're going to have many, many different thoughts, many different uh, methods, many different ways of doing. Um, we think we, we've got the way of God, but rather we've got to find God's ways. We, you know, so I've got the way of God. And to me, when you say the way of God, it's like it's only one way. But, the, the, but we, find, we are finding God's ways. There's many ways to find the, many ways of God in doing His will. And we'll talk about that. I'm talking about methodology now. I'm not talking about the truth. There's only one truth. There's only one way to, to Jesus. There's only uh, to, to the Father. And that's through Jesus. So let's look at the, these five gifts. We fight for unity in our diversity. So unity is not having conformity, being conformed to the same ideas, same everything, same methodology. No. In our unity, there's diversity. So we fight for unity, but we also equally, this is number two, we fight for diversity. We should fight for our diversity as much as we fight for unity. And the only way you and I are going to fight for unity is when you know there's only one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism. You can do things differently. You can have a different method. You can have a different style. You can have even some different doctrines. I'm not going to uh, argue with you if you don't believe uh, Jesus wants to heal all the time. Now, my faith is I believe Jesus wants to heal all the time because that's Jesus', Jesus method. I, you know, I look at the, Jesus' perfect theology. Um, you might go, you might say uh, about the end of the world that we believe this about the end of the world. Well, I might believe something different about the end of the world, but that shouldn't divide us from one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism. You can believe what you like about the end of the world, whether it's going to you know, tribulation, you'll, you'll be raptured before the tribulation or mid-tribulation or post-tribulation, or you, the, the judgment's going to come now. It doesn't matter what you believe about the end of the world. And same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, you know uh, evidence of speaking in tongues, or can you be filled without tongues? And, and we make these doctrines become the dividing factor to the church. So, so we're not going to allow these these doctrines of what we believe about certain things to divide us. I mean, right now we've got things like, uh, is a vaccine, what about the vaccine? Is a vaccine um, of the enemy? Is a vaccine something we should take? Some people believe in the vaccine, some people don't believe in the vaccine. You know, I don't believe God's Word wants to teach you what to think. He wants to, God's Word teaches us how to think. So we as elders don't want to teach you 
what to think. We should teach you how to think. You make up your own mind. You make up your own decision. But if you're for the vaccine, don't attack someone that is anti-vaccine. You know, right now we had protests in Sydney or a few days yesterday. And, um, you know, you might think, oh, people should protest. And, and if you are protesting, first of all, you should do it in peace. Should never add any violence or break in the law. But, but you know, because I think Martin Luther did um, protest for the rights of freedom, but he did it with the right heart and the right spirit. And he loved his enemies and never did it in violence. And so there's a, a way to forward a particular cause, but it has to be connected to Christ. And so whether you for the protest or against the protest, that should not divide you. Now, we should stand up and speak for our freedom. And say, okay, if that's your cause, if that's what you feel bented to do and gifted to do and you've got the passion to do it, do it. Don't attack others that, that, that might not have that calling to do that. And don't feel passionate to do that. Let them worship the Lord the way they know how to worship the Lord. Now, this is true of a lot of things. Uh, fight for diversity. This is number two. We fight for the diversity. We need diversity of gifts on on the team that we lead, even in our church. Even our eldership team needs to be diverse in their gifts, in the way that God has gifted them. We should be completely different to each other. It's absolutely good and healthy. We don't have to be all the same, act the same, have the same gifts and express ourselves the same way. So the gifts, we should, we should um, hold the, the calling highly, but, but the way that it expresses lightly. The way we express that calling is going to be different to all of us. So we need to, you know, even the, even the example of the apostle, the prophet, that Jesus is gifted, authentic apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. They're all so completely different to each other. The apostle is called to govern. The, the prophet is called to guide. The pastor is called to guard, guard the sheep, care for the sheep, guard the sheep. The evangelist is called to, to gather, completely different function, different gifting, to gather, but to gather for what? To gather unto Christ. Why? What's the apostle governing? He's governing unto Christ and get the governing the people to Christ. Uh, the prophet's guiding. Who's he, what's he guiding? He's guiding them to Christ, to the maturity of becoming like Jesus and to be transformed and changed to become more like Jesus. That's what the prophet's doing, but it's a completely different function to the apostle. And the apostle is different from the pastor. And the pastor is different from the teacher. And the teacher is there to ground people. The evangelist gathers, the teacher grounds. They all got different functions, different expressions. But what does the teacher ground them in? Into Christ to become more like Jesus. You might be, you might be thinking, Leo, it's simple stuff what you're talking about. No, you'll be surprised how the enemy tries to get us in on the simple things and tries to divide us on what we don't agree on. Instead of giving each other the grace and the freedom to be who we're called to be. If I'm called to be the fingers, I'll be the fingers. If I'm called to be the ear, let, let that person be the ear. The ear should not say to the eye, what's wrong with you? Why can't you hear? Because the eye wasn't designed to hear. The eye was designed to see. And so Paul writes this in the scriptures to tell us that every part of the body has a certain function. You see, we, we, when I think of, I, I visited a church um, some time ago, many years ago, and they're a strong church, base church, planted many, many churches. I respect this church. And, and honor this church and they've done way more than we ever have and planted 40 churches in the history of 40 years and so on. And they had many, many people on their eldership team, I think like 40 to 50. And I had the privilege of sharing to the elders and I was sharing this unity message on eldership and how do we find unity on elders. And, and I was talking about the diversity of its gifts on the eldership team. 
And, uh, and as I was talking about this one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism, as this scripture says, then Paul says, but straight after that, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you all, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. But to each one of us, each one of us, grace, charisma was given to each one different gifts. You know, and then he talks about the, uh, the, uh, the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. They are so different. And the pastor can get frustrated because all the evangelist wants to do is reach the lost. The pastor could say, what's wrong with you evangelists? Why do you want to shepherd people and care for people? And you can have this on an eldership team. When I visited this church and I was sharing, some of the evangelists that were fighting for signs and wonders and miracles, when I say fighting, they were getting frustrated with other elders because they wanted to shepherd people. They wanted to care for people. We should be visiting people. We should be loving people. We should be caring. For 100% right. The other person, the evangelist-hearted person, is also 100% right. He wants to reach the last. We should be going out there, preaching the gospel, signs and wonders. And these guys, uh, emphasis wasn't signs and wonders. And these guys were signs and wonders, emphasis. And, and, and through those little disagreements, the enemy was trying to get in and create a division on the eldership team. And in humility, one went to the other and said, I'm so sorry that I have been frustrated with you and your emphasis. And the other person said, I'm sorry too, because I should have listened to you because your emphasis is also from God. And I've been frustrated with your emphasis and your gift and your passion and what you are to bring to the body. You see, we do this in a local context. We do it in the area of, uh, you might be called to prayer. prayer. Now, now hear, hear what I'm saying. In the Bible, Paul talks about uh, when you've got certain gifts, those that are lead, let them lead with diligence. Those that are merciful, be, you know, do it, do it, be merciful. Those that are giving, do it generously. You know, it talks about those that have a gift of administration. Now, all should lead, all should have mercy, all should have generous. All, all, all of us should be generous, but some will be leaning towards it and have more of a, more of a bent towards that gift. And so if you're an intercessor, a prayer, you might think everyone else should be praying like me. And you get frustrated by other people because they have no passion or they don't pray like you should, that you think they should. And same with going out to evangelize or street ministry. You go into the streets and you think everyone should be doing this. You know, you get this passion. Everyone should be doing this because you're doing what you're called to do. You automatically think everyone should be doing this. Yes, everyone should be evangelizing, but you're going to express that gift differently. Be free to be different. Be free to express that gift differently. Uh, this, I'm trying to give us the freedom in our diversity. Those apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers are so different to each other. They never compete, but they should complete each other. A pastor, if a pastor competes with an evangelist, you're going to have problems. If evangelist is competing with a pastor, you're going to have problems. If apostles are competing with a pastor, you're going to have problems. But they complete each other. My hands, the five ministry, you know, each the hand operates together to be able to pick up things, to be able to feed uh, yourself, to be able to cook. Why the thumb has got a certain function, the finger, the, the the pinky's got a certain function, and as they work together, we complete the function of the hand. And that's the picture that I believe the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, evangelist, teacher. In our differences, we work together, and we become complete, and we become way stronger together because we allow the differences to be there we don't get frustrated when someone that doesn't you know you can have a see these things can become a cause you might have a cause uh, business people and marketplace leadership and that's great to have that cause but it's always unto christ isn't it don't get frustrated when someone else doesn't have that bent that cause like you do there's so many causes in the body of christ that that are rightfully um should have a cause for you know what i'm saying there there's people that have a gift towards being in the politics but don't let that become your cause 
Um, don't, sorry, don't let the cause become your mandate and your mission and you lose focus because your mandate and your mission is Jesus and making disciples. And so that is vital to understand that these causes, you might be gifted to do that. I mean, there's you know, sex trafficking cause, there's poor and needy cause, let's feed the hungry cause. You know, it's setting, let's set people free that are in bondage. Let's, 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 there's so many causes that, that we could be going for and 100% the body is designed for that. But don't get frustrated when someone else is not passionate like you are. So we have to have diversity of gifts. I think any team operates like this. A rugby league team, a soccer team, you've got the, those that are on the wing, those that are on the flank. Uh, you've got the strikers when it comes to soccer. You've got the defenders. And you're not going to get frustrated. Like I'm, I'm more into rugby league. I understand rugby league a bit better. But a fullback is designed. He can catch the ball. And if someone uh, tries to take his place and catches the ball and misses it, um, you know, you're not going to get frustrated with him. Because you realize, hang on a sec, that fullback's designed for that. He's gifted for that. He's got a passion for that. He trains for that. So you let him play in that place. You don't try to take his role. Same with a halfback, same with the props, same with the different positions in rugby league. You function, but you function as a team. What's the, what's the main goal? What's the mission, the mandate? To win the game, to score a try. So, but you work together, you pass the ball. You don't care who scores. Whoever scores, you, the whole team rejoices because you've worked together as a team. When the, when the forward does its job, then the backs can run properly. And that's the same with soccer. And so... So um, we're talking about diversity of, we fight for our diversity as much as we fight for our unity. I believe this is vital. Number three is we need to fight for each other. We need to fight for each other. That, that speaks of loving one another. We fight for our relationships. We value, the Bible talks about we are co-laborers with Christ. Yes, we're co-laboring with Christ. We're also co-laboring with one another. So we're working this with each other. So we fight for our relationships. You know, there are so many scriptures in the Bible. There's one, one another. They'll love one another, forgive one another, uh, care for one another, honor one another, encourage one another, stir up yourselves in the faith. It talks about the one another's of the Bible. There are so many one another's. Pray for one another. There's a lot of one another's. Prefer one another. So that speaks a lot about one another. We've got to do this together. Just like the body has cells, well, we are interrelated and interconnected with each other. So we should fight for each other. Which means when you have a, 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 we have a misunderstanding with a brother or sister, or you, you've been hurt, you've been disappointed, you've been let down, you don't just sort of put it under, you know, under the carpet. It's going to rot there and it's going to stink. You don't just sort of, I'll, I'll, I'll just put it, just, you know, it's the word, bury it in my heart. No, it's going to hurt you. It's going to frustrate you. It's going it's to hinder your relationship with that person. Jesus said, your relationship with one another is so important that if you're bringing a gift to God, leave the gift at the altar. Go to your brother and deal with that issue. Speak to them, fix it up, then bring the gift and bring it to the Father. Now that your, your relationship with each other is so valuable to God. And the more you grow and mature, the, 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 the more you grow in Christ, the more important it, important it is to maintain your relationships with one another. You fight for it. There have been many times where I've stopped... I remember, uh, I should say a few times, a number of years ago, where I would stop the prayer meeting because certain, a certain person wasn't there. I'd go. I remember one time I drove to that person's house, knocked on his door and said, hey, we need to talk. And we went and sat down and chatted. Why? Because I value that relationship. And the, and the more you mature in Christ, the more God uses you to make an impact in His kingdom, the more the enemy wants to bring division and hurt, unforgiveness, offense. You have to be mature enough to talk it through 
And even if you don't agree with it, each, each other, you can just, you know what? We agree to disagree. We don't agree. We don't understand each other. We don't see eye to eye, but I'm going to love you regardless. I'm going to work with you regardless. And you learn to let go. Number three is fight for one another. This is what's valuable. You do this in a family setting. You do this in a business setting, in a company that you might be leading. We fight for one another. We don't speak evil of each other. We honor each other so much that we would never speak negative, criticize, judgment, and you don't put someone else down to somebody else. You don't tell, if you've got an issue with somebody else, don't talk to someone else about them. It's not going to help anything. Go to that person, speak to them heart to heart, and deal with it. We need, in these, in these days, in these last times, what are you supposed to fight for? You fight for one another. We fight for unity, we fight for diversity, we fight for one another. Number four is we fight for this mission that Jesus himself handed to us. He gave us this mandate. This is the last, you know, the, the commandment that he gave before he left. It wasn't a, the great suggestion. It was not the, you know, it was the great commandment. He didn't say, if you want to go reach the lost. He says, go into all the world and preach this gospel of the kingdom to all creation. That was his mission to us. It's his mandate. What is the mission? What is the mandate? Is to preach this gospel of the kingdom to everyone. To everyone. You know, I thought about this the other day as I was just outside walking and I think when the glory of God comes, when Jesus comes, when that day of the Lord comes, when the Lord himself comes and outshines the sun and the sun turns into darkness because of the glory of Jesus coming down with, his cloud, with the clouds of glory and he comes to the earth. And I thought, Lord, I, I welcome that day. I will, I will rejoice and I will, I'm, I'm glad to run to him. But I started thinking, what about the lost? What about people that don't know Jesus? That day is coming. The scriptures speak of the day of the Lord. It's definitely coming. We don't know when, but it's going to come. So whether it's five years, 10 years, one year or a hundred years, it will come. And if people aren't ready, they will spend eternity in hell forever. And we want to get this gospel to them. It's the mission. It's the mandate that was given to us. It's not going to change. It doesn't change because there's lockdown. It doesn't change because you're thrown in jail. You know, some of the three quarters of the New Testament when it comes to Paul or a lot of his letters, not all of his letters, but a lot of Paul the Apostle's letters were written in lockdown. And he wanted to get to certain places, I'm sure. He would have thought, if I can only get to Colossians again, if I can only get to Ephesus in the amphitheater, I would be able to preach to thousands and reach them and, and see people get healed and, and get the gospel out there. And he was chained up and he said, he wrote down that, I'm, yes, I'm chained up, but the word of God's not chained. The scriptures say that he, went to, he wanted to go to Spain. He says, if you pray for me, God will release me and I can get to go to Spain. And you know, what? As, as far as we know, we know that he never got to Spain because he lost, uh, his head was chopped off in Rome and he went to heaven in glory. But you know what? His scriptures got to Spain. His scriptures, the scripture that Paul wrote, the word of God didn't only get to Spain. He went to the whole world, the whole globe, the whole nations for 2,000 years. And we've been helped in the season that he was locked down in. And so, yes, we've got lockdown. Yes, all that. But we've got to stay true to the mandate, the mission, not the causes. Is this of God? Is the vaccine of God or is it not of God? Should we take it or shouldn't we take it? Fine. You have been taught how to think, not what to think. God's Word teaches you how to think, not what to think. Then you decide whatever you have faith to do, do it. But don't put someone else down if they've done the opposite. And if they believe something else, and if you believe something else, don't put someone else down. That's found in Romans 14. Let everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind. 
It talks about someone eat vegetables, someone else doesn't eat vegetables, someone thinks it's holy unto the Lord, and some believe this day is holy unto the Lord. Let everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind, because one day you'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So yeah. it tells us clearly, don't judge someone else's servant. It's not, it's not worth, it's not, don't waste your time judging someone else's servant. Actually, Jesus said about judgment, he says, um, you shall know them by their fruits. Yet we like to want to judge people by their roots. You're not supposed to judge people from their roots. See, roots is something you can't see. If I see a tree, I can't see the roots of the tree. I can see the fruit of the tree. And the fruit, depending on the fruit, can tell me what type of roots it's got. But I'm not to judge people's roots. That's people's hearts and motives. I'm to judge their fruits. And so we be, we be careful that you start to judge, put judgment on people because of some of the fruits. You don't know why they've done that thing. You don't know why someone might take the vaccine. You might go, oh, there must be an unbelief to take the vaccine. Well, that's, that's, you, know, you shouldn't be judging them. Let's be free of that as the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. Let's not judge one another like that. Let's love one another. Let's, let's have unity. Let's be united to the one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism. Preach this gospel. Stay true to the mission. You know, people think, what are the pastors doing? Pastors should be doing this. Pastors should be do saying this. And what, you know, give us instruction to this. You know why we're doing what we're doing? We're staying true to the mission because that's what keeps the church steady and strong. God doesn't change. There's no other way to find unity. It's this. There's no other way to stay on track. It's stay true to the gospel. Keep preaching Jesus. Keep loving Jesus. Keep drawing close to Jesus. Keep being transformed. The apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, teacher was to bring us into maturity, to grow us into the body of Christ, and to grow us as the knowledge of the son of daughters of God, to, that we would grow into identity and to be transformed and conformed into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And we would ourselves change to become more like Jesus. All those gifts that are so different to each other, they express differently, they they are passionately different. They, 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 everything about those gifts, the apostles, the prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, are so different to each other, yet they've got one main purpose, one main mandate, one main mission is to bring us to Jesus. Amen. And that's what we as the church should stay true to. Stay true to the mission. That's number four. Fight for this mission. Yes, methodology will change. Maybe we can't meet in person right now, but the, the method is changed, but the mission stays the same. And I'm sure in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time, even 100 years time is going to change. The methodology will change. Technology will change. But the mission doesn't change. So number five, really quickly, is we need to fight for our shared inheritance. There is a shared inheritance. In other words, you cannot get your fullness of your inheritance without one another. It's shared. I can't walk in the fullness of the glory and the holy, of, uh, holy anointing and the, the inheritance that He's given the saints. It says, open up our eyes to the hope of our calling to the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints. There's inheritance in every single person. And I need what you see of God. I need, I need to see your gift. I need to see your revelation of God. I need to hear what you say about God. I need to see what God says to you to give me a better picture of who God is. It's a shared inheritance. We have to do this together. We fight together. We are stronger together. When someone wins, we win. If the church down the road wins, we win. If we're going to see a massive harvest in Sydney, it's going to be a joint effort of the church. It doesn't matter about denominations. We, we, we drop denominations and movements and who we belong to. And we say, this is one Lord, one faith, one God. Let's do this together and let's reach the lost. It's a shared inheritance. When you win, we win. When If you lose, we lose. If you lose someone and... The Bible says, you weep. Weep with those who weep because we're one body. Yeah. We've got to see that we are made as one. 
We fight to shed inheritance. I've seen baby Christians that have come to the Lord and they, they're Jesus followers and they, they watch online and they listen to all sorts of YouTube stuff and they, they don't belong anywhere. They're not a part of a family, a church family anywhere. And when I see them one year, two years, sometimes five years later, they haven't grown any more than they were five years ago. Sometimes they've lost territory. They lost ground spiritually. Sometimes they even lost their faith because they thought they can be a Christian alone. You can't be a believer by yourself at home. A Christian that just, I'll be online. I'll just watch stuff and I have no connection anywhere. No, you have to be planted in the house of the Lord to flourish. That's in Psalms. You have to be connected. You have to rub with other people. You have to, you have, to have opportunity to forgive. You have to have opportunity to be misunderstood. You have to work through these things if you're going to really mature. And that's a shared inheritance. Amen. And the last one that I'll finish with this is fight for your own relationship with the Lord. In these days, if you're not going to fight for your relationship, no one else will. You have to fight to maintain your relationship with the Lord. In other words, keep your relationship on fire. Keep your relationship healthy. Maintain a healthy relationship with Jesus. Because if you do that, everything else will flow through. If I, if I lose my connection with Christ and I allow the, the world to distract me and I allow the world to take me away in my affection to Jesus, then I will, I will, I will sabotage these others. I won't fulfill the mission properly. I'll, I'll, I'll be frustrated with everyone's diversity. I'll, I'll be frustrated with the unity and, and, and all that stuff. And, and I won't love one another properly. Why? Because of my relationship with King Jesus. Proverbs 4 verse 20 says, Above all things, guard your heart. For out of your heart flows the issues of life. The boundaries of life come out of your heart. Protect your heart. Guard your heart. Jesus gave the word. And out of four grounds, three of them didn't flourish properly. Only one ground, it, it flourished 30, 60, 100. So protect your heart, protect your ground, protect your relationship with Jesus. Make sure you stay in love with Jesus. I believe when you share a message like this, if there's, there's someone has come to your heart, someone has come to your mind, someone that you've been frustrated with, someone that you've maybe been offended with and you've held a grudge, and you've, you've sort of been allowed the enemy to divide you from someone else in the church. I ask you, in humility, pick up the phone. Call them. Uh, when you can, see them. Apologize. Restore that relationship. Build that up. And say, I'm sorry that I've allowed my differences, my thinking that's different, to bring a division sure. to the way you are. I want, to, I want to let you be free. I want you to be free to be who you are. I'm not going to judge you from the outward, judge the fruits. Because I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, sorry, I'm not going to judge you from the roots. I'm going to judge from the fruits. The, Jesus did give us permission to judge from the fruits and not the roots. So Father, I thank you for every single person that this word will penetrate our hearts. It will influence our, the way we raise our family. It will influence the way we do work and uh, whether we're employed or whether we are uh, uh, employees. Lord, it will influence us in the marketplace. It will influence us in church. In your kingdom help us to see the church down the road as one family one body that we belong to the same lord same god same father same spirit we thank you holy spirit unify your church to preach your gospel like never before in these last days in jesus name you've been listening to the ggc life podcast we hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com.
from our house to yours, be blessed.